All right, what is going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Hanging out. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. Do we do sneakers today or not? Do we? I came. I mean, I just threw on a lightweight something. Just, just. All right, so did I. So we might have yeah. to give that a shot right. later in the show. We got a full rundown. We're going to break down tonight's game, all the injuries, get up to speed on those. Full disclosure, if anybody's watching on CBS Sports HQ, where you can watch us every day, live streaming, or if you're listening to the podcast, if there are any hiccups today, a little birdie told me that there is a new system around town. Yeah. Like, it's very technical. It's above our pay grade. It's stuff that we don't know what happens behind the scenes. So if there are any glitches, if yeah. all of a sudden videos start playing, yeah, it's, it's Coca, it's no Anita, one's fault. Evo. <laughs> no, uh, it's no one's fault. Mikey, it's yeah, just there's a all new of them system. under the bus. No, you know, it's like it's like a new system. Go Quinn in there. Everybody's in there. <laughs> exactly. We'll put them all in there. Yeah. So right now, Raza and I are laughing and they're cussing each other out because they can't figure <laughs> out what's happening right now. Um, I have a question for you before we get started. Now we have a ton of stuff that we have to get to today, including a incredible rescue that took place out in Phoenix, Arizona. Was Maybe it? incredible is what, a, what, the wrong word right. to use. We're gonna get to that later. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was, and I meant to ask you this the, the week after it happened. Right. I was watching Saturday Night Live. I DVR. I don't watch it live. DVR it because I'm not up that late. Um, DJ Khaled uh-huh. was the uh, musical guest. So I was like, sweet. I'm going to get to see DJ Khaled actually rap no, 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 or no, no, do no. something. No, no, no. What does he do? Brought in thirty five other exactly. Yeah. What does Khaled do? So he yeah. just yeah, he's like we the best, we the best. That's what he does. He he brings people together. He's got the best gig in America. Yeah, he's a matchmaker. He brings people together, and he really doesn't come up with anything new. It's always the same lines. My daughter, another one. Yeah, another one. Another one. My daughters are ten and eleven. They even are kind of like, what does he do? Yeah. I'm like, maybe you guys need to be somebody who brings people together. Really I mean, it was You're cool. A person. I, yeah. He must have the respect of the music industry because he had all the big timers come in with him on Saturday Night Live, and they all did it. I he mean, just went, walked around and kind of he, did his thing. He's a hit maker. I mean, he's so he does provide the beats. Is that what he does? I mean, I guess, dude. I don't know. It's both my favorite, too. I don't know. I'm not a music guy like that. All right. I thought you were supposed he to bring them out. together. I watched that episode, too, though. My my sons actually like Khaled. They like the Yeah, he's fun. He's pretty positive. One. Yeah. Son of a uh, father of Assad. Assad right. <laughs> That's the other one that he does. And he's got a sick shoe collection. So maybe we can get him on the sneaker show down, shoe show down sometime. We'll have to see if we can make that happen. Um, yesterday, at the end of the show, we, yeah. we learned something that we did not know about you. Mm-hmm. That uh you actually at one time had a logo yeah. for your own brand. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then we started doing a little bit of research. So after hours and hours of scouring the right. internet, right. even maybe going on the dark web, we found it. Yeah, and logo. Yeah. It, no, I like the logo. It's I like sick. The lo- I liked the logo as so well. So this yeah. is a look at the logo. It's sweet. It's a little crown because your name is Raja, which yeah. means king, correct? Right, right. RB19. Yep. Yep. You got all like the stuff in there. You got the 19 in there. And the first thing I noticed, I was like, hmm, that looks kind of familiar. Right. So I was wondering, did you copy LeBron James? Correct. And then we went back and we did a little look. We did a little more research. We put our whole research department on it. You accused and- me of copying. You didn't ask. <laughs> you accused me of copying King James. No, but actually this is going to help you. Uh, yeah, okay. Because me accusing you of stealing actually had you defending yourself saying, I came up with it first. Right. I think we have a mega lawsuit on our hands. <laughs> I think we have a copyright infringement. Yeah. I think put them up. we should take Can we put them up side James by side? Down. Can we put them up side by side? I don't, today, we have I don't tech- know if we have those technical. I don't know if we have those capabilities. They are literally similar, right? Oh, my gosh. They're almost identical. You could definitely, definitely sue for something. I need to talk to a lawyer. If anyone's watching, like, do I have yeah, a Yeah, copyright lawyer, patent lawyer. Here's I don't know what the term no, it is. In all honesty, here's the problem. What? Like, we put all this stuff up. Like, we started small. 
but none of it sold. Like I completely, yeah, I, but that I didn't doesn't really matter. Over, but here, LeBron James might have all goes. It. it all goes to the story, though. Like I, I didn't really overestimate my brand, but I think some other people did. None of it really sold, right? So for that reason, I don't really know that I like copyrighted or trademarked or whatever you're supposed to do with that logo. Who's, who was your so your PR person? It might publicist. Only legal if he even he. First of all, he never saw it. Right? I, you don't know that. You guys were in the NBA at the same time. I don't know if, I'm, if I copyrighted it. I don't he know. He might have been a check. huge fan. I got to go into the files. Know. I got to check it. Would you take – imagine if you just took a penny from oh, every shoe sale that he's made. That would be a nice little check. A nice well, little check. What are you talking <laughs> well, you about, bro? buy it out. I would not come back tomorrow. So you know – what? <laughs> Wait a second. You better be back tomorrow. When I was sitting next to uh, Rob, yeah. my man uh, Vanilla Ice. We BWX. He was actually talking about his copyright case with David Bowie and Queen – because Vanilla Ice, the hook, is from under pressure. Remember, yes, it was a yeah, big controversy. Absolutely. And he said that there was part of the negotiation was he could either take uh, – Queen would take a percentage of every time it played. Like, they would split it from a royalty moving forward. Right. He said he actually called up the dude from Queen and was like, hey, man, what if I just cut you this check? It'll be – and the way Vanilla Ice was putting is like, hey, it was it was more money than – it was about the same of money he would have had to pay to fight it in court. Right. And so he set up Brian May from Queen. He said, hey, what if I just write you this amount of check and I can buy the rights to the song, yep. both songs, yeah. myself? And he took the deal. He's like, it was the best decision he ever made because now he gets all the money every time he plays oh, A-Sight wow, Baby. Brian May yeah. screwed up on that one, huh? I think he's doing all right, Percentage, though. yeah, probably. He's, 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 he's doing all right for himself. All right. Uh, so we'll have to keep you posted on that. Yeah, I mean, Raja's logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah for real. If you got any advice for me on the logo, thirty percent uh, commission. Lawyers take on that stuff. It's better than nothing. I, absolutely, that's thirty percent of something is better than zero percent of nothing. Somebody get on that for right. us. Uh, NBA Finals. We have Game Three taking place tonight. It is tied up one to one. The series is. Uh, there's. It's funny because a lot of the storylines surrounding this entire NBA Finals have been injuries. We've uh, always been watching, when is Kevin Durant going to come back? Right. Kawhi Leonard, how much is he hampered by that groin injury that still seems to be ailing him? Then you had more. Kevon Looney, out. Clay Thompson, is he playing? Is he questionable or not? That has become the the focal point yeah. of discussion because they're key players. We're not just talking about scrubs down the line. Sorry, that means scrubs. Yeah. Role players down the line. Right. Uh, I'm going to try to toss to Clay Thompson talking about it. Do we have it? If there's any pain... It would be a no-go just because of the position we're in. Um, you know, this could be a longer series, so there's no point in trying to go out there and re-aggravate it and potentially keep myself out of the whole entire finals instead of just one game. So, like I said, it will be a game-time decision. But um, I really want to be out there. Man, he's playing. Did you see the video of him yesterday shooting at a shoot-around? That's tough, man. You don't think he's playing? I mean... When you come out there and say, if there's any pain, I won't be playing. It sounds like you guys have already had this conversation. The decision is kind of made. And I don't really, but, but Danny, I don't think there's any chance if you strain your hamstring three days ago that you're going to be pain free tonight. Like, so either that's a smoke screen or he already knows that he's not playing tonight. I don't, I don't think there's much of a chance that they're taking it to game time for him to make a call on that. You're, tell me so one, kind injury, of tell me one injury you've had that felt like, you could feel the pain in it in the morning at shoot around or at your walkthrough, and then by the time you strapped up and were ready to go at night, the pain was gone. Nothing. It doesn't but, happen like that. But here's what also I would say is that you're never 
especially in the NFL. I'm sure it's the same way in the oh, NBA. 100%. You're never 100%. Yeah, it's just a matter of are you 60, 70, 80. If you're below 50, you shouldn't even be talking about it. You probably should be above 70% or better. And every, that's the hardest part to talk about this with your medical staffs because guys have different pain thresholds. And one guy might be like, oh, this is killing me. I'm, I feel at 40%. Another guy has the exact same injury, and he's like, hey, I feel 80%. Let's right. go. What are we doing? I do think it's interesting that we talked about this yesterday. If it's one to one, you feel like if it was, if you were down 2-0, there's no probably a lot more pressure on Clay yeah. to come back. But because they had that game, it's maybe buys them a little bit of leeway here to say, let's take it the, the cautious route and not rush him back. I, I did you see the video of him shooting? I did around? not. I did so not. he was not running around, yeah. but he looked normal. A hamstring shoot. You wouldn't even feel a hamstring shooting the ball. Right. Like just going vertically, you wouldn't right. even feel it's it. It's going to be when he's on the defensive side of the yeah. ball. And it's going to be really when, you're, when you're trying to get out and run or when you're like anything where you're standing still, that calf would be affected like the Kevin Durant calf, but a hammy wouldn't bother you just going straight up and down for a jump shot if it was a mild hammy strain. So right. it would But he have, didn't even come up like and you know, he didn't do any like any rubbing, any ooh, like nothing. I thought he looked fine, but it was very mild toot around. It was like he was dude, just getting up buckets. It if, wasn't like they were running full court. You wouldn't even feel it. If you had a mild hamstring and you were shooting just stationary jump shots, it would you wouldn't even feel it. I thought seventy five percent, I said it the other day, mm-hmm. was the number for Clay. Um even at 1-1, I think if he's 75%, because you just alluded to the fact no one's 100%. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's dragging a leg around the court. Yeah. He hasn't been himself. It's clear that he's beat up. Everyone is, 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 is fractionally beat up at this point. Um, anything under 75%, and I, and I agree that you probably shut him down. The problem for me is, yeah, you're at 1-1. You are going to lose game three if you do not have Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant. And I don't know that either one of those injuries, given the one day in between games three and four, um, is going to heal uh, enough for them to play in game four. So right. now, now you're talking about down, being down one three, Danny, and that's right. that's really scary to be rolling the dice on p- uh, potentially coming back later in the series. You know? Yeah, for sure. I would say my question, if I was, and this was always my question when I was playing in any kind of injury. If it was, is it a pain threshold thing or is it, can I hurt it worse? Correct. And I'm pretty sure you tell me, I never had, cause I was too slow. I don't have the fast twitch muscles. I just have yeah. the slow twitch muscles. I never had any kind of muscle tears, groin pulls, anything like that. But those seem to be when there's a little bit of a slight tear, you can make it worse. Yes. If you try to come back too soon. I had shoulder separations, ankle turns, stuff like that, right. where, you know, I would ask the doctors, Hey, can I, and they'd be like, nope, you, you'll be fine. It's going to get better over time. You're not going to hurt any worse. So I was like, all right, if it's the pain, I'll pop a couple pills. I can get back out there and go. Yeah. I'm good to go. That's where I think it gets a little bit dicey when you're having this conversation. Uh, if Clay Thompson doesn't play and Kevin Durant doesn't play, that means Steph Curry will have to carry the majority of the load for the Golden State Warriors, which begs the question, how do you defend them? Boxing one. It is, so, no matter what. All right, all let's all listen right. to Nick Nurse, who talked about defending the Warriors. I'm thinking about going boxing one. What do you guys think? And and they were like, well, what does that look like? And I, you know, I drew the box up and who would be where. Not, 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 you know, they just wanted, and they, and they kind of like the looks of, you know, Mark and Kwai being down and, you know, Kyle up and, and Fred chasing and they were, yeah, let's, and, and Kyle was kind of the one that said, yeah, man, that's going to, that'll work. Let's go. 
All right, so if anybody doesn't know, I'm going to explain the box and one. Go ahead, let's I'm go. I'm not even going to rely down. on our NBA guys down, to, do the, uh, to the box and one because I ran this yeah. in my basketball team where I coached. Hey, I will not tell you the team's you record. You the box and one on we a seven-year-old. Because we – no, no, this was 9, 10, 11. All right, on an 11-year-old. Yeah, so we were playing this team. Yeah. They had a stud on their team. Mm-hmm. She was bigger. She could shoot. She could handle a little bit. And then, like most teams, they had one good player and a bunch of role players. Not going to say the other terms. Roles, role players. Role players. I like that. So I taught my team the box and one. So yeah. basically what you have is you have four defenders who are playing zone. They're going to stand two at the bottom, two at the top of the key, and or two at the top of the free throw line. Yeah. And then you're going to have the one person is going to chase the best player and basically harass them every single which way they go. Yeah. Is that as simple as it gets? Am I describing this accurately? It pretty much boils down. Right. <laughs> right? It's that you're playing a box behind the one guy who's tasked to chase, in that case it was Danny Green, uh, the best player around the court. Um, what people typically fall, so there are a few things about this. First of all, NBA players are really, um, uh, snobbish in terms of what they think is acceptable to do defensively. And that's like, why Steph Curry called it a janky defense. Yeah. And, and it, like when first, when guys first were allowed the three second, the three second defensive rules came into play, there was no more illegal D in terms of, uh, completely removing defense from one side of the court. Guys hated zones. They thought it was beneath you to play a zone. I am not of that school of thought. I think that anything that you're allowed to do strategically yeah. that's legal. Um, you should be a, 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 a allowed to do. And so I had no problem with the box if you've determined the other guys on Steph's team aren't, aren't going to hurt you. I don't think that you can box him an entire game. Right. But I think when it comes, push comes to shove and you need stops, they are going to box him if he doesn't have a, a supporting cast with Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant in it. Right. Um, it's interesting because you said players don't, they look at it, probably look down on the. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember when the Dolphins implemented the Wildcat? Yep. That, that would be an equivalent, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. it's like a, it's a gimmicky offense. They ran it the first time they broke it out was against the New England Patriots. I think it was week one or two yeah. and they beat the Patriots and everybody was like, Oh, this thing is, you know, corny. Like no one, this is like a high school offense. You know what happened? A lot of the NFL everybody started run it, but like you were saying, teams started to figure out. That's why you don't see a whole lot of the Wildcat right. anymore. It was kind of a fad. It came and it went, which is, I think what would happen here. Our boy Joey here, who produces, uh, the podcast with our, our buddy Rip Hamilton yep. and is on the show with him, uh, said there's no way they can do it. Because the Raptors, after seeing it one time on video, would shred it. Golden State would shred it? Uh, yes, excuse me, yes. I disagree. Um, I think that you have to have personnel to shred, um, a, a boxing one. Um, and so they could shred it in theory with their passing and figure out how to attack it. That doesn't mean those people are going to make the shots. So all you're really trying to do is make sure that Steph isn't getting the shots. You want the others to have to shoot the shots. So while, yeah, you can break it down and on film, I'll figure out, all right, here's what we need to do, uh, to get the ball. See, the thing with the box, and this is just the way I, I, I attack a box, right? It's vulnerable in a couple places, right? It's vulnerable in the middle because you're in a, you're in a box. Like you've got the, the two boxes covered, and right? Two elbows covered, but that whole paint area, if you're able to slip something in there and you can get a pass in there, it collapses that box. So then it's going to leave people on the outside open for shots. The other thing that you Which can, is why you can say, Hey, you know what? Steph is going to be locked up. We'll let everybody else, Quinn Cook, you go ahead and try to beat us again with three. But that's, correct? yeah, that's the and whole point of the box, them, right? right? They got it. So we could, I could show them on tape how to, how to, how to attack the box. That doesn't mean they're going to make the shots once they've shredded the box. You understand what I'm saying? So I yep. still think the box is a very viable strategy. If I were Golden State, what I would do with the box is I would use Steph to screen the box mm-hmm. because his man is not leaving it. He, he's been tasked with staying right on Steph Curry's body. So if you use Steph to screen on the outside of one of your zone players, 
the guy who's on the other side of the screen is going to be wide open because because Fred Van Vliet is just going to stay with Steph. So I use the guy being boxed to actually screen the boxing one. You know what I would do if I was defending Steph Curry? I would take a page out of the Cavs playbook when they had Matthew Dellavedova do it. Yeah. It, and almost use it like hockey, like a line change. You basically give up somebody on the offensive side of the floor and you say you are going to be a defensive specialist and you are going to cover him from one side of the court to the other and you are not going to, you're going to be in his junk and you're like, you know, in Hoosiers yeah. when he says, tell me what kind of gum he's chewing after the game. Yeah. And you are, and you're just harassing him, grabbing him, grabbing his jersey. Everything. Can Let's you see. get away with that? Um, not at the NBA. Because right. Dellavedova did it and he had some success, but then he just got gassed because no, you no. can't do it the entire game. You, you can. Fred Van Vliet was doing it. Right. You could do it if you want to have a rotating door of people that are just going to do that, but you've got to be committed to just being in the box at that point. Like you, you're not going to really get away with that if they're screening for him and running regular right. offense. But if you're in that box, you can have a rotating door of that fifth player and that's your only job. Right. Like we've done it before. I have my, um, we were a fourth grade. No, we were a third grade team. Uh, and I have my first grader playing with me. Uh, my younger son, right? And we played a fourth grade team. They were just bigger and stronger, and they had one kid, though, who was a monster. So I was telling some of my third graders, hey, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to box him, and wherever he goes, you're going to stand right in his chest, and you're just going to you're just gonna keep, like, tapping him in his chest. Wherever he goes, you just keep tapping him in his chest. Right. You go with him, you keep tapping him in his chest. I was like, eventually, he's going to bug out, right? Right. Nobody on my team wanted to do it. Not one kid. They were like, they "No, we will not do it." Like no one had the had the gumption to do it. I looked down the end of the bench. My first grader sitting there, Ty, and he's just a little different anyway. Yeah, I was like, "Ty, can you do it?" Yup. He went right out there. <laughs> this kid, after about five minutes, kid shoved him to the ground, got ejected. Oh, well, he got ejected. It was even fantastic. Better. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> People wouldn't like to hear me say that I got a third grader rejected, but that was his job. Right. And it took the kid out of the game. It, it would, it would frustrate the heck out of you. Like high right. school kids get frustrated by boxing. Absolutely. Yeah. Mess with them. Uh, do anything you can to, uh, to get on him. Uh, the, four, the spread is four and a half. Mm-hmm. We'll get our picks later in the show because I'm curious. Four and a half for who? Golden State? Yes. That's they were five and a half yesterday. I think that's so too. But I think it might tell you who is playing and who is not. That's what I think well, is that's an different. interesting discussion because yeah. usually half. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little, or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Alright, welcome back to Canel and Bell. It is summertime. Uh, can we get into this a little bit? Just a little bit? <laughs> There's a conversation that came up during the break that I think we should bring to light. Yeah. Uh, we both have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both, they're all, my, so my daughters do not have smartphones. Right. My oldest has a flip phone, which saves me a lot of hassle. No social media. I don't have to worry about texting and, or I should say texting photos or anything yes, like yes, that. Correct. And they're 11, so hopefully right. I wouldn't have to worry about that, but you read some things, you're like, hey, you never know. Uh, so I don't have to worry about it too much. You have a son, he does have his own cell phone. Yes. And, you tell me what you just said before the before the... I said he was someone was DMing him um of the Instagram account a female yeah yeah and I I was just commenting on like his lack of game right now right well it's not very smooth he's twelve like but is that is... kind of a good thing are you kind of oh like, I don't have, I have no problem with it yeah I mean he's just learning like he's yes. just recently gotten into like even like texting with girls and stuff like that so I I mean 
while it's cringeworthy at times watching it, <laughs> but it's it, like cute. it is part of his like progression, right? It is cute. Wouldn't you rather that be the case? Like it's cute and he's kind of feeling his way around, and <laughs> he was like, 100%. "That stuff already set oh, up." One hundred percent. Like, hey, dad's well, gone. I hey, am fine with where over. we're at right now. Like, exactly. we are good to go. Now, Coca, had, like Coca, is trying to make me feel like a creep for for seeing it, but yep. like they're twelve, dude, and his Instagram account is a public one, and so. You know, I check that, and I say it says in and the you thing, can see par- his says, private messages. It says parents monitored like, for a reason in his bio, so that you know if you're on his Instagram talking crazy, I'm gonna see it. Right, right. So you're not trying. You're you're looking out for weirdos and for creeps, weirdos, not so yeah, much just the absolutely. girls and friends that he's yeah. looking out for. But I will be watching and monitoring my my daughter's uh, text and DMs <laughs> as well. Uh, so make sure whatever plan I get that. All right, uh, let's move on. The Pelicans, not oftener's. Offers. They are listening to offers for Anthony Davis. Um, we had talked a little bit about David Griffin, the new GM, that maybe he's he had a chance to keep Anthony Davis. I thought it was a wrap. I thought he was already checked out mentally yeah. <laughs> every which way yeah. when he has the that's all show. Uh, and that was before Griff was hired. Yeah. It just feels like he's done with this organization, with the city, with this franchise. He met with David Griffin on Wednesday. Is this just inevitable? Because it sure does feel like. Yeah, it. I'm pretty sure they told they they have said that's it. Thank you, but no, thank you. Like they're ready to go. Um, and good for Griff. Like, I, look, you you were right. I didn't know that he would be able to keep him. I just thought the longer that it went, the better chance he had to keep him. Um, but it's obvious that that's irreparable. Like, there's nothing you're going to be able to do there if you're Griff. So now it becomes, you know, um, how creative can you guys get? Uh, what type of pieces and what teams have those pieces? Um, you know, do you get other teams involved to kind of sweeten the deal? Where does this wind up finishing? You know what I mean? Like we, we, we heard, you know, the Lakers were, were in the conversations. The Celtics were going to be a player in this to some degree. New York could be a player in it with the number two pick now. You know, how do you sort this out? What, what, what does Griff want to get back in return for AD? I think they're going to absolutely pillage the Lakers. Uh, yeah. they almost already did and then they kind of played them publicly. You know what, you know what you do in negotiations? You don't want to appear desperate. The Lakers have no choice but to be desperate. Uh, the way this offseason has transpired, the way the last trade uh, negotiation yeah. went down, Magic walks off, LeBron's getting older. They've got to do something. I think they've damaged a lot of these relationships with guys like Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. I think those guys' egos, relationships they're young they're probably still i guarantee you this offseason they're probably walking around with their feelings hurt still and i would be too i'm not ripping them i'm saying it's human nature they're probably like man screw these guys i don't even want to be here trying to prepare themselves mentally look i'm gonna flip it right uh-huh. the best thing that can happen to these four is they get traded out of la yeah get into a healthy organization the best and and for their for their games because if any of you get left Right. If you're, you know, your leftovers from the trade and the, and the remnants of the trade and you're still sitting there and you've got LeBron and you've got Anthony Davis, while yeah, you'll probably be on better teams and you'll be learning how to win. You're not going to get an opportunity to spread your wings as a player. You're, you're going to be typecast. You're going to be stuck in and pigeonholed into a certain type of player. You might not even play that much because you're probably too young to really affect, uh, the outcomes. They'll probably bring in some vets. And so the best thing that can happen to these dudes for their career, is for them to go other places and start spreading their wings and, and learn how to play. Lonzo Ball has to have the ball in his hands. Like, the jury's still out. I, I, t- I thought he was a good player coming out. I think he will still be a good player in the NBA, but he's got to have the ball. Like, you can't have him with LeBron and AD just standing in the corner and spot shooting. You know, these kids need to get out of there, find other situations, and then the Lakers need to bring in vets that are ready to win now. All right, let's say the Lakers somehow screw this up. 
Okay, uh, it's not what, unbelievable. Right. Boston seemed to be the other team that was really in contention for Anthony Davis the last time. Would they be your second most likely landing spot for AD, or is there another team in the mix? No, I think Boston has this, the assets, right? Yep. Like, um, you know, I talked about the Knicks with the number two pick, but what, really what else do they have that you're going to want if you're in New Orleans? Like, if you look down that Boston roster, their guys, the Jason Tatums, the Jalen Browns, like these are real players. These are guys who can come in and help you win now. Um, and, and I don't know their pick situation, but I know Danny Ainge has been accruing picks for the last, you know, I don't know, forever, seven or eight years. Yeah. So he's got a bunch of stuff. They would be in the mix also. The thing, the thing with Boston, I, I think is Anthony Davis would to some degree have to be convinced that, he, that Kyrie is going to stay around. You know, I don't know that he wants to go to Boston if he's willing to re-sign with Boston. If it's going to be a, a rebuild around him there in Boston, do you know what I mean? Because you're going to have to get rid of a lot of his supporting cast to just get him there. And if Kyrie's not still there, what's that look like? Right. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out uh, as this thing uh, comes to a head uh, when free agency hits. Uh, let's move on because Steph Curry, I think he's a polarizing superstar in the NBA yeah. at some times, especially to some circles. Uh, his legacy always comes up. When Kevin Durant came there, he kind of took a back seat. Still ha- does not have that elusive NBA Finals MVP uh, that he potentially could be there. Currently, he's at minus 125 to win that award. If they win and let's say Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant aren't there tonight, he's going to have a massive performance. Yes. Um so his legacy is something that gets talked about. I think it is a very interesting conversation to have. Andre Iguodala was asked about Steph Curry after game two, and he said, I'm quote, I'm doing whatever it takes, takes to protect his legacy. Then parsedly tongue in cheek, he said, I like Steph. He's a good dude. He's a good guy to be around. He's the only reason I like playing basketball. I want him to win. I've never seen such a good person get backlash or whatever from his peers. They're so jealous of what he has. I'll do whatever it takes to protect his legacy. Now he was kind of in jest there. Yeah. But I do think there's an underlying current of jealousy that does sweep through the NBA when you're talking about Steph Curry. And I think there are a lot of different reasons. Like I think when you look at him, he was the first unanimous MVP in the history of basketball. I think guys were like, what? Like Jordan should have gotten right. that or LeBron should have gotten that or name, you know, five other players Bird, that should magic. have got, somebody that should, should have, have gotten it. They so they're like, era, yeah. man, well, why does he get this? And I think that creates it. He's, you know, he gets a lot of promotion. Not that anybody else doesn't, but he's the face of Under Armour. He's yeah. got a lot of commercials. His wife is out in the scene publicly. I think there's just a lot of things that players don't – not that they don't like. They're jealous. I think jealousy is the perfect term to look at it. Yeah. Um, I want to I, I want to make sure I attack this the right way. So, Steph Curry, when, when, when a lot of us, like, young – you know, uh, in the NBA, a, a lot of young black men coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know – Situations vary, right? Like, so, you know, some people have better situations. So, some people have worse situations and, and basketball becomes your vehicle, you know, at times to escape, you know, whatever's going on home or your reality or it's a way to get out of somewhere and, and to bring people with you out of circumstances. So, you know, when you, when you look at Steph, um, Steph, you, you, Steph didn't come from where you came from necessarily for a lot of these guys, right? Like Steph's dad played in the NBA. Like, you know, Steph's, he was an NBA kid. Like he was sidelined NBA games. He was a ball boy. And, you know, a lot of guys are sitting around at the park just wait, hoping that you could even get up into the nosebleed section of a game. Like that's your grind. And Steph is living that pro life from the time he's five years old. I do think that there's a very real jealousy that's attached to that. It's not Steph's fault. You don't know what Steph's world was like. Like yours had challenges. Steph's did too. They were just different, you know? But I think some guys, like, Hold on to that. And I do think it's a real thing. Like, I think there is a jealousy level that's attached to that because n- not only did he make it, 
but now you know he's one of the faces of the NBA. He's he's you know he's he's got this what appears to be kind of perfect life that they put out there in the public, you know, for the public consumption. I, I know Steph. I know his dad pretty well. I spent time in Charlotte. I talked to him on the broadcast. Uh, uh, his family is a great family. Like they are really good people, salt to the earth, down to earth type of people. Um, sometimes you got to be happy for for someone, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you just have to appreciate that someone's doing it the right way. They're as good as they are. They've earned what they got, and you got to say good for you, bro. And and you know, Steph would do the same for you. Like what that situation that you had that you tried to get out of. Look where you are now, bro. Yep. Like you made it. Like don't be hating on somebody else. You know a, what I mean? A few years ago, when he was having his unanimous MVP uh, season. I was working on ESPN radio and I was working with another white guy and we had a discussion that was interesting because it was, you'd see it on social media and you see these conversations, you see them in certain circles. And it was weird for two white guys to have the conversation, but we had a discussion about his skin color, that he's yeah. a lighter skinned, uh, African American. Yeah. And we're saying that could have been the root of some of it. Would you think that plays some of a part in it? Possibly. Yeah. I, I think that, and this is a bigger picture, but like, you know, my grandparents, let's use for example, like you're talking about a century ago conditioned like uh systematically and 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 like um you know socially to appreciate a lighter skin you know it was you'd say you were native american or or, or something like before you you were mixed right like you wanted the lightest skin tone that you could have like that's the way you know they were there was a lot of repercussions for being dark right so i think that was a thing back then could there still be remnants of that maybe i don't know um but i do know growing up like even at my skin tone um it, it there were, there were like, when I moved to the United States, right? Like, mm -hmm. I went to school in an area where it crossed over, right? There were some affluent kids, like white kids that lived over there, and there was the Grove, mostly black kids, and it, it wasn't, you know, as, as, as blessed socioeconomically. Um, I kind of lived off to the side because my parents lived on the University of Miami campus, right? So people didn't really know what to make of me, right? Like, I right. wasn't there, I wasn't here. Um, I didn't really fit in because I didn't have money. You know what I mean? So the only natural place for me to go was the people that kind of looked like me. So I gravitated towards that. But there was a pushback from that element too because they didn't really accept me, right? Like, they saw my situation as not being theirs. Like, my parents were around. They were at a lot of things. Like, you know, both my parents had been to college, and they, they were, you know, they were educators and school teachers. So, I, I like, there was some hate that came from me from that area, too, you know? And that's a weird position to be in. And I bet Steph finds himself in that, too. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to... Like, I, I can only be what I am. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's why and, I think Steph does a pretty good job. That's why I want a star just to be authentic. Right. Like just be who you are. And I think he's a really good guy. I think he's uh I think he does a lot of good in the community. Sure. Um but I do think as as well, I'm not naive to say that he doesn't get a pass and maybe it is because of his stuff color uh uh skin color. Right. Because look at what happens. When he goes he loves to taunt dudes. He loves to celebrate. Oh yeah. Uh, and he never gets heat for it. Where if some guys if they were as you know, if they bragged as much, if they sure. taunted as much, they might get criticized more. When he throws his mouthpiece at the ref, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of guys that would, oh my goodness, people would be outraged. Steph gets a little bit of a pass on that. Sure. So I understand there are a lot of dynamics that are in play when you're yeah. talking about it. Yeah, and, and I want to be clear. Like, if, if the NBA were to say, like, take a harsher stance when he does some of that stuff, or he got, like, I'd have no problem with that. Right. I, I wouldn't. Like, because, you know, you've set precedent for some of that. When other guys do it, then you got to hold him to the same standard. Um, I do think it's interesting, an interesting topic of conversation, like you just made, like if any other superstar, let's say, you know, and stuff doesn't look like our normal NBA superstar, not just skin color. You're talking about size. Right. You're talking about stature. Like yeah. he just doesn't fit the bill. You're used to seeing 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", 230, you know, mu muscular, LeBron jump type. over yeah. the rim type of players. Like yep. he just doesn't fit the bill in, in, uh, all the time. And so 
imagine if one of those guys, right, had gone O for October in the last in the last in the fourth quarter of the of a final game. Right. Now, he's lucky they won that game. But even if LeBron's team had won the game and he was O for Oh ever, my god. That would be the whole conversation. Yep. Right? And that's not fair to the LeBrons of the world, those guys. So they're hypersensitive to that too. Yep, yep, for sure. A lot of dynamics in play when you're talking about Steph and his legacy and everything that happens. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh Baker Mayfield. Not afraid. Yeah. As I say the best way to describe Baker Mayfield. Um Sometimes it could be a great thing. On the field, you want no fear whatsoever. Right. Off the field, I think sometimes you have to be careful what you say. I don't love the fact that he's gotten into beefs with other media members. I just think it's petty. And it actually yeah. feeds the fire of the media members that are getting back into with him. It's great for them, right? right. Yeah. Um, so he's also not afraid to talk about certain situations that are unfolding around his team. Duke Johnson, former Miami uh, Hurricane running mm-hmm. back. Uh, is asking for a trade. Here is Duke Johnson's sound uh, talking to reporters at minicamp. John Dorsey's job is to do what's best for the team and the organization. Uh, and, and again, if that's getting rid of me for a bigger piece and a better piece, then I'm okay with it. Uh, like I said before, my trade request was to meet them at a the middle ground. Uh, I was put on trade block a month before I requested the trade. So that's all it is. It's not awkward. It's not awkward? No. Why not? You know, it's self-inflicted. It is what it is. It's not awkward for anybody else in this building. What has to happen going forward to make you feel that you are wanted? To be honest, nothing. So, Duke, there's no... Nothing? No, sir. There's nothing that can repair this. And again, I won't be a disgruntled employee. I won't be causing scenes and, and, and losing focus of what's really important. I won't do that. And, and the reason I waited to now to do a media interview because I didn't want to take away from the team. We have guys that want to be here. They'll show that. They'll voice that. Obviously, you know, he's going to handle his stuff how he wants. Uh, but you're either on this train or you're not. It's moving. Uh, you can get out the way or you can join us. So uh, it is what it is. Man, that got – I hope their lockers aren't next to each other. That could get a little bit awkward. You mean it's not awkward. <laughs> First thing he said is it's not awkward. That oh. is the definition of awkward. It was really uncomfortable. It was a great job. The editing there, splicing them back and yeah. forth. Uh, that's not how it played out, but it played, that's exactly what the back and forth sounded like. Uh, I never had a problem with the guy wanted to be traded. I do think it's going to be awkward if a trade doesn't get done. Well, and it's got to happen at this point. Like to, it's to let Duke, t- like Duke said he was on the block. Right. He was Which on is the where block a lot first. of this comes from. Right. Because guys start to hear rumors, they start to, and then they try to start to control their own destiny. And they're right. like, hey, if you were going to trade me, what, what changed? Like, why move me then? I don't want to be here if next year I'm going to be in the same boat. Right. Um, this is where it gets really, uh, tricky as a quarterback. I think Baker's young. I think he has, I love Baker May- Mayfield on the field. I think he has a lot of growing up to do off the field. Yep. And most of the stuff that he does, it's pretty minor. It's just kind of annoying. It's like, man, if I wish, you know, you try to build the perfect quarterback. Nobody's perfect, though. Yeah. Um, in this situation, I, there's kind of their rules in the NFL. You don't mess, mess with the guy's money. When he's in a contract negotiation, a holdout. Right. Hey, he's got to do what he has to do. Correct. When he gets back, he'll be there. Trade situations are interesting, too. I would tend to say that you would lean on the side of, hey, Duke has his beef. That's between him and the team. If he's here, he's my teammate. If yeah. he's not, I'll wish him well. And you yeah. kind of try to keep it as short and tight as possible. Right. Instead of a couple of lines in there where if Duke Johnson is stuck and they can't trade him and he's there, it just makes it a little bit awkward. And it probably doesn't affect him on the field that much. It's just, I don't know. It sounds, and for, go ahead. I'm not sure that that doesn't affect you on the field. Like, I'm just, I, I don't know. Um, 
you're either on this train or you're not. That was an interesting one. And um it's self inflicted. I think those are things like you stay away. Yeah, that's from that's those. harsh. Those, those right are accusatory there. type of things, right? Like right. and and I'm not sure that that doesn't affect your relationship. Like when a quarterback has to like pick between like a back out in the flat or trying to, you know, hit something else. I'm not so sure. I don't know. Like I look, there were rumors in the NBA. I'm not going to say names of dudes. I know people who have been cut from teams because they weren't passing the ball to a certain person. And you know, this star would complain about it and people would be like, no, that's impossible, man. He, he, he would never look you off. And they've gone back at, at hours and hours and hours of, of footage and tape. And lo and behold, he's looking him off. And you wouldn't think that would creep into an NBA locker room, except it has. Right. right? And it reared its head on an NBA court and people have lost jobs because of it. So I think it would be, I don't want to say impossible. I think it'd be really hard to do in a 16 game schedule yeah. when the, the window, the margin bear is so slim where you could, Actually, pass up on a guy that's why, like, you know what I mean? Like, manipulate the where you're throwing the football. Um, but relationships, relationships matter though. Absolutely. I mean, why do some, like, why, why when, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill is here in my, here in Miami, one tight end gets all, I mean, one tight end, yeah, one tight end will get all the balls. And then as soon as Ryan Tannehill's out and another quarterback comes in, this wide receiver ain't caught a ball in five weeks now has 35 catches. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You just got a better, Rapport and feel with someone, no? Yes. Yeah, you could have that situation unfold. Know. Um, what's, what's interesting about this, I, you know who's, you don't think it's going to be a star as far as when you put a microphone in front of him is Freddie Kitchens. Like he's, he's not afraid, talking right. about not afraid for Baker Mayfield. So his quote to the NFL network was, he wants to be traded. I want to win the lottery. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's <laughs> under contract. He's a Cleveland Brown. He's going to be used to the best of his ability and what benefits the team. That's pretty funny. I mean, he kind of makes light of it. Jarvis Landry said, I hope he understands and feels that guys are here for him. Whether he is here or not, that's the relationship goes beyond the player. Obviously a person as well. I definitely hope he understands that and he knows that there are guys that are here for him. That's, that's the quote yeah. from Jarvis Landry, veteran, been around. The other problem I have with this too is Baker's only in his second year. Like this is really young for him to be voicing and talking about other players and trade situations. You have to earn the right to start speaking the way he is. And I know you're the leader by default if you're the quarterback, but just and I you know, I saw some fans saying this, and I guarantee you there's some guys around the league because on social media a lot of the comments were like, Man, this guy's one season and he thinks he owns right. the team. There are some guys in an NFL locker room that'll start thinking that too, Correct. And saying that behind closed doors. I, I got mixed emotions. I like Baker, uh, uh, and I like I like I like Baker as a player for sure. And I kind of like a little swag and a little cockiness. I think you can take it over the top, and you can become petty at times with it. I felt it was that way when they played. Um, you know, where did where did the coach go to last year? And he was over there messing with yeah. the dog him on the side. Yeah, that was awful. Look, it becomes petty, right? And so sometimes I feel like Baker crosses the line between. You know, um, you know, cocky leader type of like, I, you know, I'm not apologetic, but I'm not going to say anything inflammatory, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say this because I, I, maybe I'm a little offended by the way Duke Johnson is treating this. You know, I, I feel a little disrespected that he doesn't want to be here. So I'm going to lash out through the media and kind of say something with a dig. And what that doesn't do, Danny, like when, when, when you do that in the media, right? And that, and that's your stick. Well, when you're not good. They don't give you a, you don't get a pass. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like there's no equity there. Now when you play it relatively like, you know, close to the vest and you say what you're supposed to say and you keep it moving and yeah, you're not, you're not always cliche. You give up some information sometimes when you're a good interview. When you're not playing great, sometimes you'll get that pass. You're setting yourself up. You better be good. See, that's, that's my motivation anytime, cause I wasn't very good, right? I mean, I, I full, full, I've, I've never said, Hey, I was a great player, but I think I've, 
had enough, uh, enough experience dealing with the media to know how to handle them and how to set yourself up for the best way to success. Right. And it's exactly what you're talking about. I saw it happen firsthand with Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden was one of the best interviews you'll ever get. He was as cordial with the media as you ever could. He was always complimentary of the other team. Right. Like he did it the right way. So I had a really good example. Uh, so that when I was in front of the media, I tried to do it the way he did. Um, it's all about trying to increase your own individual chance of success. Right. And when you are abrasive with other guys, media members, when you're abrasive with them, it's just going to make it harder on you. And if you're good, doesn't matter. Right. If you're Bill Belichick, you can be a jerk to the media and they can't do anything about it, you know? But if you are on the cusp, if you're a guy who's up there, if you're Adam Gase with Miami Dolphins and you're a little prickly with the media and you don't always give them good answers and you're just kind of, you're, you know, they're going to run them out of here. There's yeah. going to be articles written. And believe it or not, you know who's reading those articles? The owners, the GM, the fan, like everybody's starting to read them. So it does create pressure on yourself, which you don't need in a job that's already one of the hardest in the world. And you've also, uh, like, you've also got, you know, a teammate. And so while Duke might not be your teammate moving forward, all right, that's a burnt bridge now, right? You've done that. Yeah. Um, what was the coach? Hugh, Hugh, yeah, Hugh Jackson was who he got into it, like a burnt bridge. Yeah. Like when you're talking about burning bridges in year one and year two, and, and look, if, if, you get enough of those burnt bridges, right? And and you're not living up to the hype. Like you've dug yourself a deep hole. These are it's a relationship business sometimes too, right? And always is. You so these two might not affect your 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 mobility or your career, right? But you keep burning them. Eventually, you're gonna burn them with the wrong one. Someone who may hold your future or or your destiny in their hands at some point. You know, you just got to be careful of that being what you do half cocked whenever you feel like doing it. You have to be a little bit more buttoned up, a little bit more. You know, um, you know, strategic. Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. When you're, at, when you're at the mic, you have to play the role of politician. You do. Like, you, you don't like. You just have to play the role. You are, you are a senator. You're a governor. Whatever it is, you kind of kind of have to keep the peace. You have to right. talk out of both sides of your mouth. Sometimes you got to protect certain individuals. You have to portray a message that the team. Sometimes you have to take one for the team. Sure. It's all part of the role that goes into being a franchise quarterback. All right, welcome back to Kinell and Bell. So yesterday there was a video. What do you what do you got? Over what movie is that my from? Trick? What movie is this said, from? I don't know what to do with my hands. Like he's doing an interview what? and he's. Oh, wait, was that you got it? Uh, Anchorman? No, no, wait. It's Will Ferrell though, you got it. He's getting interviewed and he's. he's... What movie? What? Talladega yeah, Nights. Nice, yeah. Thank you, Coker, for that assist. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that was early in his fame, right? Talladega, what? Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, no, I'm saying it was John. early in his run, like when he got famous. Like that was when he was learning how to be a star. Oh, yes. yes, yes Bobby. Yes, yes, yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yesterday in Arizona, there was a hiker that was out in the desert, had run into some problems. She was older. I think she was 74 years old. And uh the EMTs, who do you know, great job, paramedics, cool. the rescue, they do a great job. They decided it's time for airlift her out of there. Like it's just we're not going to be able yeah, to get yeah, in there. Yeah, we can get airlift her yep. out of there. Let's do it. Yep. So you see this happen a lot of times at sea. You know, they have the Coast Guard will come in. Sure. There, they'll drop the basket down. You lift somebody out. They're wrapped in a blanket. They get him in. Everything's good, right? Story, happy ending. This one was nuts. So this is the beginning of it. And the ladies in that oh she's in caught right there oh, she's inside of that okay so sick so you're like kind of going around you're yeah. going around a little bit like it's got to stop soon but the thing that you start noticing it's is faster. it's not going slower it's actually increasing speed i mean 
You are talking, this thing is going around at a rate like, like a top, like a spinning top. Yeah, it's going like the blades. It's like the propeller of the, like the, of the helicopter. Oh, yes. I'm so sick. I would passed be so out. I'd have passed out. I don't know how you survived this. Yeah, I passed out. Like legitimately, I don't know how you survived this. She did survive, but it was Good as scary her. as it gets. And I think the helicopter, they were going to try to bring her up and lure her in. And then they're like, well, let's just get out of here. Once they started moving a little bit higher and getting away, it did oh, start to slow down, slow down somewhat. Yeah. But that time when she was right at the top there, was really like scary. I mean, I guess Mike, and another question, I, what, like, no disrespect to 70 year olds, right? Like, right. I, it is awesome that you're out there and still hiking and active, but. Oh, now you're going to make this an ageist thing? No, but I mean, like, you got to be careful. You're out in the middle of right. nowhere out in those deserts. And the there was desert nothing can, around there. And the desert can sneak up on you with hydration. Yeah, like, dude. if you're not, like, it might not, I'm not that bad. I'm not, be careful. Dry, you get that. I, that looks like my worst nightmare. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like spinning around. I would hope that I would have passed out. I would have yeah. been like, I wish I would have passed out. I like hope I would. Because I was saying before, would you rather die or get rescued like that? I might choose die. Like that is the worst. That is well, an awful. It's a scenario. double. It's a double negative for me because I hate spinning in tight circles, but I absolutely hate being like strapped down or being in little small spaces. So yeah. claustrophobia slash spinning is like a double. Word oh, it'd be awful. Yeah, because they are clasped in there. Right. You got no arms to get out there. Uh the comments on there, we got to we got to cool it, people. I hope because when it was posted on social media, people had all these gifts that were hilarious. Yeah, like they had like cartoon rescues and they had all this stuff. <laughs> like people make sure she's okay first before she's you okay. start joking about it. Yes, okay. they did not know that though. They were watching it like, oh, is she okay? I hope so. I might go to hell for this, but I'm gonna go ahead and put this <laughs> funny gift out there, out there. All the name in that. Uh, we possibly we talked a little bit about the heavyweight bout that took place Saturday night when Anthony Joshua got upset by Andy Ruiz Jr. Right. It's like there's a rematch coming. I think this is great for boxing. Because you know why? I had no idea that fight was sure. going to happen Saturday night. I guarantee you I will know when this rematch happens between these two. Yeah, boxing has had this, like, resurgence. Yeah. I think any – like, the more fights you get, the more viable heavyweights you have. So even if, you know, that ruined, like, the Wilder slash uh, – uh, what's his name again? Uh, it's a dude. Andrew Joshua. Or uh, Anthony the Wilder Joshua. Joshua. Why can't I remember names? Um Getting Andrew Woods Jr. in the mix now adds a, a whole nother, you know, a draw, right? So, like, it'd be dope if Wilder lost. I'm not wishing it on him, but if somebody popped up and popped him, now you got four names, right? You make both of them get back to the top again, then they square off. I think it's all good momentum for boxing. And I think it's going to be fun. I think Ruiz is a legit boxer. He was 33-1. and one. I think we we probably got ahead of ourselves. We said, oh, this is the best into uh, Buster Douglas. It was a massive upset, but it was not anywhere near because Anthony Joshua wasn't Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson right. uh, but it'll be fun to watch this thing. Go back, and I might put some money on Andy Ruiz Jr. because I think he might get some value there. Because everybody's like, "Oh, he's fat; he can't do it." I think he's going to take him down again. Hey, if he touches that jaw, I'm telling you, that <laughs> exactly. Jaw. That thing is glass. <laughs> uh, all right, it is Wednesday. Last week we had a very abbreviated sneaker showdown. Yeah, what were the showdown. results of that? Well, it was it wasn't even close because right, you right. basically wove the white you you waved. Oh, the that's white right. Flag I didn't have I didn't with have. your white shoes. Yeah, that's right. I didn't <laughs> which have. were uh, you just had on the Nike Freeze? <laughs> so today. I kind of forgot, oh, but I always right. bring my strong shoe game. Oh, okay. So I think I might be okay in this circumstance. All right. Well, I'll so, go, you're going first then? I'll go first. Go ahead, go. The last time I rocked some old school ponies, yeah. they did pretty well. Did you? These are actually a brand new pair. Those were original OG ponies. Green suede? Yeah, green suede. Yeah. I, these are going to be perfect for Masters Week next year when we are in Augusta oh, doing the show live yes. from there. Plug. I'll rock these because these have a very I like good those. golf feel. Yeah, they're like pretty those. tight, right? What I'm do you got? Ruined in the mud. 
Yeah, but um, it's okay. Cause I, I went a little outside the box. I went with the Kyrie ones. Ooh. Um, yeah, and these were, this was my favorite Kyrie, like with the stud on the heel and stuff like that. I didn't um, notice the stud on the heel. Yeah, they're, they're really right. dope. And they were given to me by Kyrie. Shut up! Yeah. Are you, you know, for real? Yeah. So you always bring so in listen, these kind of things real story. Fair. When Kyrie was getting his signature shoe, I had to go to the unveiling uh, with him and his dad. I was there the night Cleveland. they unveiled him with Nike. It was in New York, right? And it was like two months. I hadn't gotten a shoe yet. And so I was like, bro, how I got to go to your event <laughs> with you, and I'm the only one that ain't got the shoe. So two days later, I had a box of them sitting on my desk in Cleveland. You got game worn and Kyrie. They're not game No, worn, I know, but no. you got the Kyrie yeah, gift. Kyrie I got the Kepka gift. I'm bringing those back. <laughs>